Hello and welcome once again to Center Left Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz. My name is Richard Gazer, and as always, I am pleased and I'm honored to be your host and your commentator for another of our commentary shows, one of the shows that we have up on air and online. Our uh, radio loop is both of those things. It's a, uh, it's, it's, it's the analog way of accessing center-left radio, and it's done by going where you may very well have gone already if you're listening to us right now, which you clearly are, and that was, was, is, www.centerlefttalkradio, one word, centerlefttalkradio.com. That takes you to our homepage. There's a big picture of the microphone on which I am speaking right now at the top of the page. You'll know you're there. And then there are two links. The first one is to our podcast feed. And you may very well be listening to this show as a podcast, which... Many people do, most people do probably these days, but there's always that option of listening to it the good old-fashioned way, the little old bake shop way, if anyone remembers that commercial, uh, Hostess Cup, well, going way back. Um, That gives you the chance to turn the show on. Metaphorically speaking, you hit a link, and you pick up the show at whatever point it happens to be in this continuous loop in which it's running. And it continues to run in that loop until it's replaced by a new show. So we're, we're literally live, if you will, live on tape running in a loop or accessible via podcast, both of those through our uh, website, www.centerlefttalkradio.com. Or for the podcast, you can also pick it up wherever you would normally pick up your podcast. You don't have to come through our website to do that. And in that instance, I would urge you to look for Center Left Radio. It is Friday, the 15th of April. No, it's not tax day. Tax day is the 18th. Uh, Those of you who are procrastinators, I tend to be one myself. Take a deep breath. You have the weekend and then all day Monday to finish things up. But more than that, um, it's the first night of Passover. And it's also Good Friday in the Christian calendar. It, it's, it's rare that, relatively rare, both these, these, uh, these dates are, one is running, the, the, Jewish, the Jewish festival is running off of a lunar calendar, the Christian festival, I believe, well, you know, one would think they would line up because both involve one person, one, one man, celebrating Passover. So you'd think they would always be on the same date, but just the way calendars have gone, they're not. The Last Supper took place on yesterday. It would have taken place on Thursday. Um, Today is the day on which uh, traditionally Jesus is murdered. He He is executed. Uh, and today is also uh, the first day of... Pe- well, it's, so it's off by a day. 
it's off by a day. Now, again, these are the vagaries of history, the vagaries of, of everything else. But, but what I must say about this is because of my involvement uh, with St. John the Divine uh, here in New York City for, uh, for 28 plus years as a volunteer, this period would have been a period of a lot of activity for me. I, I would be very focused on all this. There'd be a number of events that I'd be probably ushering at. I would, I would be involved in, in uh, doing any number of things at the cathedral on a volunteer level. And there was none of that this year. Uh, things have changed rather dramatically there. It's, it's a different... Since uh, as COVID has begun to loosen its grip, uh, and, well, it, it loosened its grip for purposes of, of, of uh, religious celebration quite some time ago. St. John's was a little bit slow to respond to that, but it's kind of changed its look and feel, as it were. That's kind of a hard thing to do with the largest cathedral on the planet. But uh, it's different. And there are a number of people I know who are in the same situation, uh, reacting to it that way. So I, I'm sort of um, I'm sort of marginalized uh, in an odd way uh, from from a place that I did not uh, I was not part of for theological reasons. I was there for spiritual and 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 deeply metaphorical ritualistic reasons, things that, that, uh, that basically uh, resonated with my background and allowed me to get in touch with my own spirituality. But I didn't need a theological foundation to do that. I got, I got what I needed in the spiritual aspect of the institution, and that institution now, like many on the planet, is veering more and more back towards its theological tenets. Not that it ever surrendered them, but it was more open in terms of uh, not really emphasizing those theological uh, tenets and still fulfilling, in fact, I would argue more so fulfilling its mission within the community and the world by, uh, by not being tethered primarily to its theological uh, roots and making that both known and, and, and functionally superior, functional, elevating the functionality of the theological within its activities. And that's changed. So um, that kind of is, that kind of took me away from focusing on this. And I only realized yesterday and I, I literally woke up and said, oh my God, it's, 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 it's uh, Maundy Thursday. It's, 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 it's Holy Thursday. Maundy is the term used within the Episcopalian church. It's an ancient term. I, it comes from some, I don't know where, but that's the term that's used. Um, and I can remember uh, Roman Catholic memories of that day and everything and the washing of feet and all of these, all of these ritualistic things. Uh, that, depending on the point in my life, were also um, enriched or magnified, at least, by a, a tacit uh, statement of belief 
in the in the narrative and dicta of the religion that was supporting those particular events. All of that, none of that really just came out of the blue yesterday. None of, none of it sort of just automatically flooded into my consciousness until I heard someone either in the media or somewhere else saying, hey, it's Holy Thursday. And, and to be perfectly honest with you, uh, it, it came with, I, I, well, the, there was this twinge of, of, of loss. There was this twinge of, of, of just suddenly realizing what wasn't there, that there was a gap in there, and that I've been living with, I've been living, have been, continue to live with this empty space and, and have not been able to put a name to it as much as I, I probably should. It would be healthier if I, should, if I could do that. And it's, it's one of those things that I really, I haven't revealed to myself. If, if you understand what I'm saying, we, there's a lot of things that we go through in our lives that uh, we don't want to put a name to, that, that either for, for whatever cultural or psychological or uh, some terrible variation on macho reason, we, we don't tell ourselves why we're not feeling fully ourselves. We don't, we don't tell ourselves what's diminishing us because to focus on it might be painful and it, and it probably is and it probably will be and and to and to be perfectly honest it's it's a, it's a necessary function we have to reveal to ourselves those things which are difficult because once they once they slip that far below our our conscious radar and become incorporated into our lives we begin acting on them in ways that become unpredictable and actually become, uh, can become dangerous to us. We're, we're responding to stimuli that we don't really have a handle on. And, and by the way, this, this covers a great deal of our lives. Why am I doing this? Why am I overeating? Why am I, why am I angry? Why am I, uh, why am I procrastinating? Why am I any number of things? If I could, if any one of us could, could put, a, put a name or, or define uh, what, if we could draw a line between behaviors that are not exactly conducive and helpful to us and their sources, it would it would stand to reason that at least you'd have that much more of a shot. Or if you knew the source of, of, of a behavior, a, a not helpful behavior, there's a, at least a chance that you could do something about it more readily than if you don't. In other words, just waking up and saying, uh, I'm a procrastinator, how do I unprocrast? I'm, today I'm going to unprocrastinate, and maybe you will. But if you don't get down to the root of your procrastination, if you don't understand how it is that procrastination uh, pervades your, what, what is it ultimately in the end, what is the fear 
and that's usually the case, what is the fear that underlies whatever it is you do to prevent you from doing things in a timely manner? With this whole issue of uh, St. John's and, and, and realizing uh, my, my distance or my, my enforced distance, it reminded me about myself, that I have this capacity uh, when something is no longer available to me, I race away from it as far as I can Almost, I, I, I gather, if I, if I really examine this some more, and I don't want to start getting into too much of a self-analytical mode here, just so I'm not going to have to face how much it's upsetting me or how much it is destabilizing other parts of me by suddenly not being available to me. I think I did that. And, and so a consequence of that was basically chopping out of my subconscious or, or in my subconscious, chopping out the automatic reactions, the memories I would have, the, the, the feelings I would have as these holidays come along. All of this is connected. If you wonder, you, you, you can't go through any one, can I call it a traumatic experience, a traumatic separation and not have it affect other areas of your life. It, it, we, we, we just can't cordon off our psyches, our souls, our spirits. We, we just, however you want to define it, we can't cordon ourselves off that way. We are integrated entities our, our, at, at, our, at the subatomic level and upward. Everything about us, everything leading to our spirituality, to our linkage, okay, all the structural stuff that's there, and the linkage of everything in our structure to every other element of the universe that that gets that starts on an individual basis so that a thought a feeling an emotion will get filtered downward and ultimately upward and outward but it gets filtered downward into every component of our being this is this is scientific reality at this point but you see it's always been spiritual reality spirituality being nothing more and this is this is my definition it's not about it's not about who owns your soul or where your soul is and all of that it's about it's about linkage spirituality simply means to say that i am spiritual is to say i am connected to everything that ever was and ever will be in all universes throughout all times now that may sound a bit grandiose on the back end there but it's, it is at a minimum a, a, uh, a, a theoretical, physical construct and more than just theoretical in many, many, in many ways, in many, in many proven ways. The linkage is there. It's difficult. It's, it's probably impossible. And, we, and the only reason we can imagine otherwise is because we don't know enough. We don't have all the details. But we've been given all of these tantalizing glimpses 
into all the ways that everything about us is connected. So that when we have, when we have a problem, when we have an issue, when we have an emotional situation, it filters into the physical. It filters downward into us. It, it affects us on an emotional and a physical and on a spiritual, an internally spiritual level. And of course, it, it relates outward. We are all connected. We are a sum of our collective parts. And the sum is what makes up the universe and the universes over all time. That's the part that becomes difficult to understand. That's the part that seems so far beyond practical uh, comprehension or practical utilization that we would tend to just, sh oh, come on, give me a break. Hey, if I don't feel, if I have a headache, I'll take an aspirin. Let's leave it at that. But you see, our spirituality, our linkage to everything else demands the respect, the comprehension that we are, in fact, every bit of us is integrated within us, our emotional, our spiritual, our capacity for love, our capacity for success, our hatred, our fears, everything is all integrated. You don't affect any one part of that. You don't affect yourself emotionally or spiritually or, or in any way without affecting all of you. And when you affect you, you affect the universe. I know, I know, I know. He's getting really, really out there. But it's how it is. And we realize it more and more. And, and frankly, we could take great comfort in understanding this. It's, it's a wonderful thought that we are so interconnected. It's a frightening thought to frightened people who don't want to be connected to certain individuals or certain races of people or certain types of people or certain people from certain ethnic backgrounds or people with certain cultural things or people at certain places on the socioeconomic scale. That could be a scary thing. And so you, by cutting yourself off, by limiting, limitation is an act of fear. Oh no, it's practical. We don't want them in our neighborhood. No, no, no. Recognizing our connection does not mean, therefore, we suddenly take down every barrier on the planet and the entire planet becomes one open-ended European Union or everybody gets to move and live in my house. Or No, 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 no. But subtracting out fear between and among people is the way in which the possibilities, the positive things that can happen, happen. You will never improve a situation. You will never do something which will have universal benefit from a perspective of fear. If I'm afraid of you because of what I see you to be or how you, or how you look or how I think you are, and I create rules and regulations to separate, to, to, to corral, to basically enclose myself or you to, to avoid, that will never work well in the end. 
I, I don't know how long it will take humanity to figure this out. We must approach things fearlessly. We must understand what it is we are afraid of, give it a name, and then deal with it. Because once you have not only felt and recognized a fear, but then given it a name, you can then suppress it. And in suppressing fear, you automatically, automatically, elevate love and an the main avatar of love. I, some would argue it's the same thing. Another four-letter word, hope, also has a, <laughs> an O and an E in it. <laughs> love and hope, same thing. You can't love without being hopeful. You can't, you can't be hopeful without feeling. That is the ultimate statement. If you were going to get into Homeric Greek and, and find the whole agape notion, uh, you know, like, there were like five or six different words for, for love in, in the Homeric Greek. They were, they were far more uh, cautious and far more uh, focused in how they, 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 they recognized who we were and what, and what made up humans. This, this is why the, the, the whole, the original Greek democratic notions are still such a, uh, an integrated part, an integral part of, of at least our, our, our perceptions of ourselves, our, our activities, or it might be another story. We, we must suppress our fears. To do that, we must recognize them and we must, we must name them. We must know what's there. If we don't, we will cover them, we will sublimate them, we will express them in different ways, we will find ways not to face ourselves what's going on. We will go through elaborate, elaborate processes to not have to say, here is what my fear is. It, and, and the fear doesn't have to be that you are sitting and cowering somewhere. You know, you, you, you shrink into a corner and you, and, you're, and you put up your hands. You say, oh, help me. You cry. No. No, it's, 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 it's an emptiness. It's, it's a blockage. It's, it's something preventing you from feeling the natural linkage that the universe gives us. Now, you could say, well, God made it that way. Fine. You want to say, God, that's great. I, I prefer to stay away from the anthropomorphic as a practical matter, but I, I love the anthropomorphizing of God for metaphorical purposes because it's a great way to approach spirituality, and it's in my tradition. Oh, you're, you're beating, oh, that, my God, that, that's, that's, you're, you're undermining the, the meaning of religion. No, I'm not. If the purpose of religion is basically to make sure you're a good mem a member in good standing, if that's what religions are all about, if their purpose is just to make sure you're part of them and you show up when you show up and you're supposed to give the money when you do it and you know who not to hang out with and you know what the boundaries are and this is as far as you can go, if that's what religion is, then religion is, is, is failing. The role of religion, and, I, and again, you know, this is on, on Good Friday, Passover. The role of any religion is to do the three things 
that religions can do better than any others. Yes, I realize that there are rules and regulations, and I've, I've, heard, I've heard people in, in, the, in, the, in the New York Archdiocese, I heard one cardinal, you know, ranting. Dolan, was, was it Dolan or his predecessor? No, I think, I forget which one it was. You know, you can't choose which rules if you're in a, this is a club. So help me God, I could find, I'll, I, I, I once had the tape on this. This is, this is, this is, you're in an, you're in a club. And you, when you belong to a club, you can't pick and choose the rules that you want to follow. This, this had something to do, I think it had to do with sex or something. It was, it was somewhere in there. I think it had to do with women's bodies or something or other. You can't pick or choose. It's all in or all out. And it was pretty obvious what this particular New York Cardinal's uh, perspective of what the role of religion was. It was a big club, literally. <laughs> it was a club in another sense. It was something to bash you in with. Rather than a vehicle for improving for, for actually going beyond the scope of its own membership and improving the world. No, it was, it, was, it was a divine human institution, and the operative word was institution. And institutions are human. There's no divine institution. You may have divinity as the object of the institution, but there's no such thing as a divine institution, certainly not on earth. And as I say, there are, there are three things that, that basically would identify, that would be emblematic of the best, best of religions. If you could find a religion that, that exemplifies these three things, by all means, join it. If you, if, if you want to, if you want to believe, if you choose to, to accept the narrative and dicta, the, 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 the particular institutional narrative and dicta, the story about a divine being and what that divine being did and how that divine being is to be approached and here are the rules, if you want to accept that as well, do so. If you feel it, if, you, if, if this means something to you. But, but in doing so, do not lose track of what the three things are that identify the best of religions. What are they? One, to be a purveyor of moral code. Okay? Good religions, real religions, must be able to both enunciate and implement, and they do that through rules and dicta, but to basically give society, if you will, a code by which it can live without a commonly recognized and accepted moral code. We have no structure for human interaction at no level, uh, personal, familial, cities, governments. There's no way, international, there's no way people can function in any reasonable way without everything constantly falling apart if there's no recognized moral structure that everybody buys into. Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt love this one, thou shalt do that, do not do that, do this and that. Basic rules, 10 commandments, fine, perfect. 
go with it. But the point is to enunciate these things and to make it, to, to, to practically implement them. That's what the narrative and dicta of a religion are supposed to do. We've got to have this to function as human society. That's number one. Number two, charitable, perform charitable works. And again, re religious organizations, religion institutions, more than any other institutions in certainly in, 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 in American society, in Western society, yes, you have the United Nations, you have certain functions there, but, but the boots on the ground, the, the local vehicles for, 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 uh, for charitable work. You see it in hospitals, you see it in schools, you see it in all kinds of agencies, you see it in, 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 uh, in orphanages. You see, it's just across the board, religious organizations. And what, why? Why would they bother? Why would a religious institution that's looking for members and money? Because within the narrative and the dicta of most religions, are messages, statements from the Almighty to love your fellow man. This is part and parcel of the moral teaching. And you can't just say it, you gotta do something about it. That's the beauty of organized religion. It is an object lesson to all of us in putting your money where your mouth is, quite literally, and helping people going out of your way, knowing full well, and this is an important part because this is going to take us to number three, that your, that your charitable works are in all likelihood going to spill over the boundaries of your institutional uh, membership. When you do good works, you can't say, oh, uh, well, you, I guess you can. Uh, are you a member in good standing of my religion? And if you are, maybe I'll consider letting you have the benefit of this. You can benefit. But the most generous, and especially when you get into the medical, into the hospital uh, type situations, if, if someone is going to go to Columbia Presbyterian, does somebody uh, at the front door say, by the way, um, you are a Presbyterian in good standing, aren't you? Well, no. Now, I don't even know. To be honest, I don't know that the Presbyterian church basically is a financial. I don't know what their connection is with that at this time. I know that there is, for example, there's a, a Catholic hospital system. Uh, there, there are Jewish systems uh, throughout the country, and that the churches, the, 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 uh, the central uh, financial resource groups within these churches are actively supporting these institutions to the extent they can these days because organized religion is not what it was in America. And, 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 and that takes us to the third thing, that the best organized religions should be doing, and, and that the things that are emblematic of the best religions. Number three, the biggie. Making certain that there is a sense of the interconnection, basically 
spreading the message and doing it by action and, and doing it by, by, by every possible way you can, because this is so critical. Getting the word out, getting the visual message, but actively promoting the notion that we are all linked, that, we, that, there is a, that spirituality links all of us that we are all one, that there is something higher and bigger than the limitations of our particular, this church's particular narrative and dicta. Yeah, you, 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 you may be a Roman Catholic, you may be a Jew, you may be a Muslim, you may be, you may be, whatever you are. But understand, says whoever the religious authorities are within this organization and and what they say and they say it regularly they don't just say it they don't just say it on ecumenical sunday when an imam shows up in the pulpit uh, and says a prayer or two with the priest thank you so much imam and would god bless us all let's all say it blah 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 gone that's it for another year no it is a con it is as constant as the moral teachings and the charity. A constant, constant message that we are linked beyond the limitations of the narrative and dicta of our religion. This is tough. But, but think about the world we're in right now without that message. To, to put out moral teachings common moral teachings, operative, operable, actionable moral teachings, and to somehow not add into those teachings that we are all one brotherhood, we are all one humanhood, and it's all connected, and not just to make those nice little words, thou shalt, just, just make it thou shalt not kill, and let's leave it at that. I can hate you, but I shouldn't kill you. No, you have to add into that moral structure the acceptance and the realization that we are linked not just because God loves us and my God happens to be the God of my religion. And yeah, I guess we're saying it's the same God, but you know, he made me write a different book and go a whole different way. And quite frankly, I don't like you people from you other religions. No, that doesn't work. There must be an active, an active assertion by religions that we are linked beyond the limitations of our narrative and dicta. We are linked beyond the limitations of the divine human institutions that physically support the ongoing nature of religions. Why can't religion, I mean, all right, you know, time out. Does that make sense to you? Does it, does it sound like, no, wait a minute. All, all a religion has to do is, religions just worry about their own. And we could talk about, you know, we are all God's children. You know how that goes. But, but realistically, Religion, religions should be looking after their own. And if everybody belongs to a religion, then everyone will be looked after and we'll all have the same moral code and it'll pretty much go on the way. But you see, it doesn't work that way, does it? 
because things that have been done in the name of religion over, over centuries, over millennia, have been pretty awful at times because religions too often, to this very day, include this, this unspoken or sometimes spoken. And in the case of many, uh, I, I'm sorry to say, many evangelical Christians and not so evangelical Christians, this notion that if you're not akin us, you're akin us. That those who are not within our belief system are not only lesser than, but they are subordinate to. And they are undeserving. And the notion, and any notion that we are, that there is a common spirituality linking us all, and that we are equal regardless of our belief system, that is so subordinated. Now, I can understand religions saying that, wait a minute, if I, if I have to promote the notion of a linkage beyond the borders of my religion, well, aren't aren't I then debasing, degrading the structural integrity of my religion? If I start saying to, to people, if I start saying to my people in the pews, as it were, look, you know, it doesn't end with us here. And yes, here, you see all these images and you see what we believe, see all the prayers we're saying, but understand something. We're no better and we're no different and we're no more elevated and our beliefs are no greater than the linkage between us and everyone else on the outside. If you can't get that in your heads, then all of this is meaningless. Doesn't that sort of subordinate the, the ritual and the, and, and, and the stipulated beliefs of my, doesn't it, doesn't it make them less important? Aren't I degrading the very thing that I'm, that I'm elevating, the, the very thing that I'm trying to get people to, to hold on to as the basis for remaining within my institution? The answer is yes. And it's because you're emphasizing the wrong thing. If you are one of the better religions, you're finding a way. Your end, your, your end result is to, is, to, is to foment, to permit, to, to facilitate a linkage beyond the limitations of your, of your pews, beyond the limitations of the narrative and dicta of your organization. This is not easy. It flies in the face of the way we have set things up for the most part in this country from a religious perspective. Religions basically are concerned with their own. Certainly, when, it, when push comes to shove, when I come down to that third point, yes, you may in, in charitable works be going beyond the boundary. It just spills over. But the active statement that my role, that one of the most important things I as a religion and religious leaders can do is to constantly emphasize that we are linked beyond the boundaries of this religion and to make that a constant central message because without that message, we are just reinforcing the tribalization that we see and we seem to accept more or less on a political level. But, but, you know, political structures are just institutions. Political parties are institutions. Uh, uh, governments are institutions. 
Religions are institutions. And institutions have rules and mechanisms for holding themselves together. Well, religions are supposed to have God, the divine, as the main object. That should, it must, if it's there to be really meaningful, it must make for a statement of purpose of a higher sort. And again, those statements of purpose are there, but it invariably does not include going beyond the walls on a practical, practical level. Now, what exactly does it mean to encourage spirituality? Well, I, I, I was beginning to experience that. I experienced that in large measure for nearly three decades at St. John's. And then I stopped experiencing it. My, my need to be a baptized Episcopalian wasn't there. It's not there now. But you know, you know in your heart, you know in your feelings when, when that emphasis on what is beyond us begins to drift. Maybe it hasn't drifted as much as I, as I sense. Maybe I'm being oversensitive. But I saw what an institution could be, what a major institution could be, even while the Episcopalian community was ripping itself apart, you know, a few years back there. Ultimately, the American Episcopal Church split over whether it was going to be following or being affiliated with the Nigerian Episcopalian community, which basically sounded like 12th century Roman Catholicism. Or it was going to go with the more liberal forms that one finds in America. What do we mean by that? I mean, I mean uh, total acceptance of, 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 uh, of, of gay and transgender people, uh, gay, uh, gay uh, ordination, uh, wide, open, wide open acceptance of the world. Okay, I'm sure that'll still be there. But it's a matter of emphasis. It's a matter of what does the institutional... What's the institutional uh, uh, imperative, the largest institutional imperative, to preserve itself or to extend to the world and embrace the world and bring the world in? Not by way of conversion, no. You see, this only really works if all religious institutions carry the same message. What? will make that happen? How, how might that occur? <laughs> it would have to occur by choice. Might it be a last resort at some time? If everything else fails, if ultimately we really screw the daylights out of ourselves, if we, if we, if we, if we fall into such disrepair in terms of our constitutional structure, that we really, really, things really go bad. I mean, I don't want to start getting into that on right now. Might this notion of 
unification or, or structure beyond the walls of our religion, might that be the way out of the hell that we're putting ourselves in bit by bit every day? Might that be the way we need to go? Might that message ultimately be, I mean, picture, picture just, you know, a damn near, you know, apocalyptic situation in this country or any place else, and you had to rise out of it. What would be the message that would have to get out there in order to get out of a situation where it got so bad that everybody just went at everybody else, just, just went at everyone? How would you come out of the worst of that? It would be by some notion of unity. Some, the, the redefinition or, or the discovering what was always there, the definition of our shared spirituality. That's where it would have to start. Why can't we recognize that now? And why can't we recognize the institutions that are in the best position to preemptively keep us from going into the darkest of places? I can't think of a better time to bring this up than on a major religious holiday for, two, for the two religions that, that most people in this country trace their roots to and through, from Judaism to Christianity. Hell of a day to do it. The day that, the, the day on which we remember, it's 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 a it's a murder, it's an execution. But but it is it is converted in the narrative and dicta of Christianity into an act of salvation for all mankind. What does that mean? And 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 then and then uh, uh, the 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 theology says that at some point after the death of Jesus, he descends into purgatory or hell, wherever souls have been waiting, until he gets there, because only he. And again, this is you know this 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 makes institution. This is an institutional statement. No one could get to heaven until Jesus freed all the souls. Oh, okay. All right. Well. Makes for, it makes for real institutional power saying that. But, but within all of that institutional assertion, assertiveness, is this notion of shared spirituality across all denominational lines. Poorly expressed, I would say, in the Christian, in the Christian uh, theological narrative slash dicta. But that's the underlying thing. Why can't we go there now? Why can't we, in, I, I hate to say it, why can't we imagine the worst and understand that we might be able to prophylactically avoid it by doing the best, that religions can do all three things that they are best equipped to do and change it all now, why not? Does it mean, does it, religions can't do that without addressing their own fears, by the way. Religions, fear, yeah. Oh yeah. Not fulfilling your own purpose, not, not able to deal with the real reason you should be here. 
having to cling to the institutional prerogatives because you can't really work with the moral imperatives? <laughs> you're failing your own moral imperatives, and, and you're certainly not come anywhere near the, the back end. You might, again, lip service, ecumenical Sunday once a year, but really, really emphasizing the linkage beyond your own organization. See, this is the stuff that brings us into wars. This is what's going on with Russia and Ukraine right now. This is, this is when, when all of this is lost. This is where we start talking about the potential of world war. This is, this is where we watch uh, the inability of our political parties to even accept the fundamental proposition that, that criminals should not be running the show and to refuse to accept what criminality is. Because institutional, institution-based loyalties, misplaced loyalty, and which are based on flat-out fear, cannot be confronted. And I, I, I don't want to, you know, maybe it's not fair to throw all this at the feet of organized religion. But they helped us get here. And it's... It's hard to realize how they did because they're so well uh, screened behind images of piety and, 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 and love and God and, and all of the ritual and everything else when, when the single most important thing they need to do right now is to stress and to live the interconnected nature of everyone, especially everyone beyond their own boundaries. Otherwise, you are literally preaching to the choir. What is beyond us? Why must we link with it? Why must we respect everyone? Why must we respect Jews and Muslims and Hindus and Buddhists? Why, why can we not just be satisfied with saving ourselves? Isn't that enough? Oh, no. Nowhere near enough. <laughs> a good yontif and a, well, one wouldn't say a happy Good Friday, but a, but a, happy, a happy Easter looking forward. A, a thoughtful Good Friday. And hopefully within that thought process to Christians, an understanding of what Jesus really was all about, that he was open to everybody, not just a few, that when he saved every soul, as it were, go beyond the notion of the institutional uh, structure that was set up by that. Look at it more universally. Everyone counts. Everybody is linked. And until we understand that and put it into play day by day in every way and get it out of the pulpits and get it into the pews and, and, and get it into the mindset of the religious leaders, we are simply walking down this same divisional and, and diversive and, and, and divisive path that leads invariably to war, both external and internal. It's easy to get there. We have tools and we have the information and we have the disinformation we have and we have the mechanisms to basically get us to a bad place quicker than we've ever had the ability to do it at any point in our history. It's easy to get there. Please think about the three rules. 
that every religion, the best of religions, would follow and follow those institutions that would basically uh, project and, and, and promote a moral basis for living, charitable works, and the spiritual connection on an active, ongoing basis between and among all sentient beings. It's the only way we're going to avoid the worst. Because if we ever got there, we'd have to start from that point again all over again to get out of the worst. So why not use those three things as a vehicle for avoiding the worst? We've got David Bach coming up in just a moment. After a little jazz.
This is Richard Gazer. You know, it takes lots of time and effort and all kinds of resources to produce the kind of quality program we produce here at Center Left Radio. And it costs money to do it. Now, if we screamed a little louder or thought a little less about what we were saying, we could probably get a few advertisers to pay us to sell their products to a more tribally predictable audience. But that's not who we are or who you are. You come to Center Left Radio for non-commercial, thoughtful commentary. You're looking for an honest, progressive approach to solving America's problems, not exacerbating them. And we're committed to providing all of that. We're one of the few stations offering full-time, non-commercial, progressive programming. And we're the only station, the only one, doing it with a combination of hope, politics, and that most eloquent of all original American art forms, jazz. Think of it this way. We support your needs. Now we're asking you to support ours. Take a moment and go to our website, www.centerlefttalkradio, one word, centerlefttalkradio.com, and go to the donate page. And when you get there, give whatever you can. On a one-time or maybe a recurring basis, whatever you can contribute to make center-left radio's unique progressive voice stronger and even more significant as the full extent of the wrongdoing of Donald Trump and his associates becomes all the more evident and as we seek to hold the House Democrats accountable for the promises they made to the American people during the last election. Yeah, you know what's at stake. And I know, we all know, we can count on you. On behalf of all of us at Central F Radio, thank you. You're listening to Center Left Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz, and you're listening to us on the web at www.centerlefttalkradio, one word, centerlefttalkradio.com. You're listening to us on the web. If you're, if you're listening to our radio loop, specifically, you're listening to the second link on our homepage. It says radio loop. That's the one that lets you pick up the show wherever it happens to be in this radio loop that we're running in. Or you're listening to a podcast of us. You could get that podcast by being at the same uh, website, uh, www.centerlefttalkradio.com, or pick us up wherever you pick up your podcasts. And in that instance, look for us as, well, Center Left Radio. It is Friday. Uh, this is, uh, and we have, I, I have pre-introduced this, I've cross-referenced uh, the, the, what is about to follow several times in the show today, but it doesn't make me any less happy to be able to say it as I say it every week and any less anticipatory. David, what's on your mind? Well, there's, there's a decent amount of stuff going on. Um, we have the ongoing right uh, assault of trans kids and trans people with the assault on uh, women's reproductive rights. We have, uh, let's see what else is going on. Uh, good <laughs> yeah. things going on in Ukraine. Uh, it's, it's really interesting that Russia is the first uh, country in the world to lose its flagship to a country that doesn't have a functioning, uh, a functioning Navy. Um, their uh, flagship has been, uh, what is it? Uh, renamed the uh, the Great Black the the Great uh, Snake Isle uh, 
reef as of yesterday. So that's always fun. That 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 is that is an amazing and I love the storylines. If, if again, this is coming out of the American press, but that that Russia was basically putting out. I mean. A, we blew up our own ship by accident. B, as we were towing it back to port for repairs, we decided to sink it instead. <laughs> you know, it's like, okay. Yeah, and, and you begin wondering how stupid the Russian people are and how much of this they... I, I don't know. I don't know where to go with this. Well, but. It's, it's how much do they sink. That's also part of it. Yeah. Um, but like, even here, we have ridiculous stuff going out. Like, we can't pretend. So, uh, Kentucky passed both essentially outlawing abortion. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they passed a trans bill. Yeah. Kind of yeah. similar to the Utah one. Uh, do you know how many kids this affects in uh, Kentucky, the trans bill? I'm, I'm t- it'll, it'll have to be tens of thousands, won't it be? It's one again. I mean, why don't they just call it the the uh, the, the culture culture war and put a number on the bill? Culture war, red meat, one, two, and just label them that way. Not even calling them bills or laws when they're signed. It's it's oh boy, oh jeez. Oh, it should be it should be directly deemed. It should be fuck this one kid and whoever that one kid is. Yeah, because that's what they are. They're designed to fuck with one child. Ima- one ima- child. Imagine, and, and imagine, and again, this is, you know, here we are, we're in a religious period right now. Uh, just the very thought of basically targeting a single child for, with, with, a, with, with the whole force of a, of a, of a, of a state legislature and, and, and all of these, and all of the false pleadings of, of we're doing this to protect uh, women's sports rights, and it, it's... I've, I've never, it is just the ugliest, ugliest thing I can possibly imagine. No, it's not the ugliest thing, but it's certainly up there among them. I mean, like, again, these, these bills, it's worth mentioning that the time that they're spending passing these bills, they're passing the abortion bills, they're passing the don't say gay bills, they're times that Kentucky, you know, a, a, a state in the country that is totally fine, that doesn't have terrible outcomes in health care, health, in poverty. In education, growth. in education as well. They have some of the worst in the country, all, all across the board, across the board. This is what they could spend their time doing. Yeah, okay. Mm. Yeah, like, those are things they could be solving. So um, they passed their board. So both... Florida and Kentucky passed their, their abortion bans. It's about 15 weeks. Now, a reminder, Roe says it's viability. Viability is about 24 weeks. Yeah. And my my argument for uh, abortion is if we should use viability. But a viability is, of course, a sliding scale based on technology. Exactly. If we, don't have the, exactly. if we don't have the ability to keep it alive before 24 weeks, it's 24 weeks. Anything before that is, is nonsense because it's not technically a person. Exactly. Uh, well, uh, it's, it's not technically a person. Um, it, 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 the, the first issue is basically a woman's right to choose what's going on in their body. That is what Roe basically put out there. That was the premise. It was, it was the First Amendment right. Then 
the next issue in, in the Roe ruling of, of 45 years ago, whatever it was, was also at the same time viability then becomes the issue. So it's that intersection of a woman's right to control the goings-on in her own body and her having to deal with whatever the moral and other consequences or religious prohibitions within her organization, whatever church she might or might not be a part of, that where it intersects with the state issue of viable human beings. But the first thing was always the First Amendment woman's right. Second would be a viable human being's First Amendment right. That's how it was laid out. Right. And then the other thing to this is, the difference between the Kentucky bill or the, the both the Kentucky and the uh, Florida bill don't have ex- don't have specific exceptions. The, yeah, the yeah. Florida bill allows for medical emergencies to the mother, or if it's like a uh, like a uh, a fatal a fatally flawed fetus that just won't survive if it's born. Yeah, but neither of them allow for rape, incest, or um, there's there's one other thing that it didn't allow in the, the Florida bill. But rape, like, I don't understand why rape or incest isn't considered in these bills. Like, what is, what is the reasoning for that? And then even worse than that, if you go to some of these other ones, like uh, Texas. No, it was, um, who was it? Alabama, I believe, just passed one that had a, uh, a neotonal ban on abortion that had 10 years for the doctors, even though rape is five. Well, well, but but the reason for not having any exceptions, uh, to me, I think is is fairly obvious. Uh, well, I don't know that it's obvious, but I mean, it's not hard to, for me to. I'm, I'm figuring it this way. Now, I shouldn't say me. I'm not. This is what I see. It's. Do you remember there was a there was a statement made by a certain uh, what was his name? This was during Iran Contra, uh, the uh, the army guy who was in the middle of the whole thing, and uh, it, you know he was accused and ultimately got pardoned or something. What was his name? I can't think of uh, the name offhand. But he made a statement, and they were talking about uh, some some Democratic senator or, or Congressperson was uh, basically lambasting him over you know you basically went ahead and you outdid you you went beyond the will of Congress and you did this on yourself. I mean, you went and you did excesses beyond uh, beyond anything that anyone could imagine that would be permitted by law. And his response was, Congressman, excess in the pursuit of freedom is no excess at all. And I think that that's kind of the mindset of the different states that are putting out these anti-abortion laws and these uh, and the and the anti-transgender laws, they're going to excesses right now, and their people are not sitting there going, "Well, you know, I think abortion would be." I, now, hang on a second, say, say the red meat Republican, you know, base. No, 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 no. I really think you ought to back off on this thing and allow abortion. No. It's it's just red meat, and it's all leading up to the uh, whatever the decision will wind up being in the Mississippi case that'll be coming down from the court. I think next month they may be actually coming out with their decision. Uh, if they if they rule in favor of the Mississippi case, then the Supreme Court as a functional entity is meaningless. It may be meaningless right now, but it will be officially meaningless since they will have basically broken with a clearly stated 45-year precedent with no basis whatsoever for breaking that precedent. That's sorry for the long-winded uh, interjection there, but uh, well, okay. So even their base doesn't want this because 
the the ability to stop all access to abortion, which some of these bills do, is not popular. It's like 20% popularity. This is just a, like you said, it's a red meat issue. It's not a thing that is popular. And then if you're going to care about freedom, like you said, yeah. then why would these bills, because these bills aren't going to stop abortion. So we'll talk about the Texas case in a second. Yeah. Um, but they, they're just going to stop it for poor people. They're going to stop safe abortions for poor people because wealthy, rich people will still be able to fly their kid to a blue state where it's available or to another country where it's available and, and still get access to an abortion. Right. It stops it for lower income people. And the idea that like you're doing this to preserve life, but you're not going to, to coincide these with, uh, it increase access to medical care, increase access to child care, increase access to uh, child birth care. Of course, of increase, course, of course. You know the quality of life things that would make it easier. Why would you? Uh, why would you do that? Yeah, that 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 the red the the, the you know the base is not uh, all that interest. They're used to being mistreated. So what the hell? And, yeah. and the other thing is we have to keep like the problem with this is it requires so much vigilance. So I don't know if you saw the headline about the the woman in Texas who was criminally charged for a couple days by Texas, yes. and then the case was dropped. So there was, was more dropped. to that than a lot of the stories talked about. This woman was charged in February. And the reason it didn't make headlines is because she got basically turned in by the nurse when she had a miscarriage. Uh, this, and the, the only reason they dropped it is because of the, the, uh, the outrage against her. Because it's worth remembering the Texas bill is not a criminally enforceable bill. The enforcement mechanism for these bills is more or less uh, civil. It's, it's, it's bounty bills. They went out of their way. They went out of their way to do it that way. Wait a minute. You said they, I just want to clarify something you said. I'm interested. You said that the, the reason they dropped the charges against the woman was because of what? It was public pressure. But against, against, is, against who? Yeah against the absurdity of their claim that this was a uh, against the absurdity of them charging her over this. Okay. 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 That's, that's what I, that's what I thought. I just want to make sure because I wasn't, I want yeah. to clarify that. And, yeah. and this is also something worth noticing. Um, I don't know if you saw this cause this didn't get a lot of headlines, but the, the air force is said that they're going to help all of their, the, the, uh, the service people and their families if uh, with both medical legal or have to remove them from bases if these laws, these anti-LGBTQ or anti-abortion laws, start compromising their family. Yeah, yeah, that would make sense. That would make sense. I didn't hear that, but but that makes sense, and I'm and I'm quite glad to hear that. Now, by by rights, of course, all of these laws should be declared unconstitutional. But again, this is all basically leading up. It, it's just getting the red, the red meat base all charged up in anticipation of the midterm elections. These are all about as meaningful to the country and what the country needs to do to become better as I don't know what. They're meaningless. But this is simply getting voter interest back among the, the base. That's all it is, I think. I don't know. Do you, do you see this any differently? No, it is. But the other thing with this is... The Air Force doesn't do things like this. Like the Army and the Air, they don't, they don't make statements like this. Which what they're doing is they're making sure that they have readiness. And I think, I've not, yeah, I've never, I've never heard in, the, in, in my whole life, I have never heard anything like that before. That you would have to be be ready to move people 
away from bases in a given state because of that state's laws. That's, that's wild. That's wild. Which could mean that the Air Force will possibly move bases if these laws affect their, their readiness. Yeah, area. yeah, yeah. That would that that would that would be the obvious outcome if 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 you extend if you extend the thought outward. Boy, it's sick. <laughs> I'm telling you. I man. mean, that would be like economically devastating. Which is the thing the Republicans are good at, just blowing up the economy and blaming. So let's take a look at that. So, sure, sure. Uh, and did you happen to know what uh, Greg Abbott is doing down at the border? Because he's doing some weird, dumb shit. Um, I, I, is, I haven't uh, kept up. Tell me about it. So they're doing a like a, a massive extra inspection of 18-wheelers to deal with the, the massive scourge of people coming across the border. Ah, 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 ah. Their, their secretary, their agriculture secretary said this will cause inflation to rise to the point where avocados might cost $7 a piece. Like they're talking – Massive inflationary issues that could potentially lead to starvation for a policy that will not effectively stop anything, but it will just hurt American people. Oh, it sounds it sounds like Greg Abbott. That's great. It's brilliant. That's uh, that's that's Greg Abbott all the way. Yeah. Oh, and then the other thing is his. Uh, did you happen to catch his little political stunt uh, with the buses and the migrants? No, I I did not. Tell me. So they had a um, the Texas did a uh, press release a couple of days ago that um, they're going to start shipping migrants to D.C. because Joe Biden refuses to deal with the problem at the border. So they have to send it to him. Um, <laughs> now, keep in mind, the only people they, they can send are people who volunteer to go. You can't just round people up and ship them on a bus. That's uh-huh. Um So what happens is. They sent this bus up to D.C. They parked this bus, and I and I am not kidding here, in front of the Fox News headquarters, <laughs> so they could film these people getting out of the bus. And Fox News ran their entire eight o'clock segment in the morning on that. Um, they when they interviewed these people, they're like, "Yeah, of course we wanted to go. They're, we're closer to our destination. We're like, we're trying to get to Florida, so this was this was helpful to us." So these people were like, yeah, it's a free ride. Of course we're going to take it. Right, this is like the dumbest way to deal with this. Yeah, of course. It is. And look, they're not going to do anything productive on this. You're not going to get any type of, uh, of um, immigration passed because Obama famously said, I have given the Republicans every single thing they want. Next, they're going to want a moat and alligators, which Donald Trump supposedly wanted. He wanted yeah. a moat and <laughs> alligators and snakes. Yeah, I, I, I shouldn't be laughing, but yeah, I get it. Yeah, I mean, they're going to break everything. Like, the the idea that they're like a party and they're going to push for things and that they have policies should be pointed out that they don't have any, except for Rick Scott's, which should always be pointed out because they're absolutely insane and terrible. Um, and it's worth, it's worth talking about. And then we have, you know, we've got Elon Musk attempting to buy Twitter, which is unbelievable for just so many reasons first there's all the right wingers who have spent the last two weeks flipping out over what elon musk is doing so the that, first that, thing that, he that's was, what i'm hearing that that if he were to buy it uh donald trump would have his account back up instantaneously because eli musk is a no holes barred free speech which is to say lies are fine by him i don't i mean is am i reading that correctly are you getting the same message about that well first uh, let's let's talk about Elon Musk for a little bit. So yeah. the uh, 
when he bought the shares of Twitter, what he did was illegal. Um, he he delayed the filing to prove that he uh, to announce that he became a shareholder so that he could buy up more shares, and he made himself like an extra at, at a lower price. So he made himself like an extra hundred fifty million dollars because the price would have gone up immediately the second it was announced that he'd bought it, which it did. Certainly when he said he wanted to buy out the company completely, but when it was announced that he had the shares, the price went right up. So you're saying that in the course of purchasing the shares, he withheld any announcement of it so that he could basically get a higher price later on. I'm not sure exactly how that... There, there would have to be a filing that he bought it. I don't know no, that... No, he there did. Would ha- he, had, he filed. He delayed the filing. Oh, he, and apparently oh he- that's illegal. That's illegal. Yeah. You can't do that. No. You right. have to file immediately. Um, and then they were they were cheering for him. They're like, "Oh, Elon Musk is protecting." Elon Musk doesn't give a shit about free speech. Elon Musk is famously an anti-free speech. He has uh, he's personally canceled the Tesla order for a blogger who wrote uh, a story that didn't make him look bad. He badgered the press to I don't even know if you remember this, but uh, remember when those kids in Thailand were trapped in that cave. Go on, like, go sick- on. He he badgered the press based on a fake story that one of the divers was a pedophile. Um, he's like uh, like Amazon has had to pay a single worker 130 million dollars because of how racist their their policy how racist their staffs are like this is not a company that is good or has uh this is not a man who actually cares about free speech now there's two things with the re-implementation of Donald Trump um I've spoken about this a couple times one when they banned him, it was in part because they had to change the rules basically on the fly for him multiple times to keep him from breaking TOS, and he just kept doing it. Yeah. And two, yeah. the way I see this is you just you have to enforce world leaders one of two ways. Either they're all enforced the same, or you can't have any enforcement on them. Uh, so people are like, oh, the Taliban are still on Twitter. It's like, okay, I guess the Taliban is better at following TOS than Donald Trump is. Um, and then two... Every think of all the major people who've supposedly been silenced by being removed from Twitter, whether it's Donald Trump, Marjorie Taylor Greene, uh, I think Tucker Carlson's been banned, uh, Charlie Kirk, all of these people. Yeah. Which one of them have we never heard from again since they've been banned from Twitter? Mm. You raise an interesting point. Also, um, which part of Twitter is the federal government? Yeah, good point. Yeah. Uh, because um, TOS is not a First Amendment law. It is, and if you really believe that you wanted these 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 uh, sites without uh, conservative censorship, which isn't really a thing, um, why haven't you gone to Frank Speech, or Gab, or Parler, or Truth Social? Like, why are you still coming back to Twitter if all of these are the free speech, free free apps? Like, the reason is twofold. One, because no app that has no free that has no TOS people want to be on. They're just toxic cesspools. Two, these other apps are also toxic cesspools because that's who their base is. And three, the reason they're not going away from Twitter is because it's fully formed with an audience. Like, yeah. and the reason they want these apps is so they can pretend to own the libs all day. Like, that's what they want to do. And if you have these ridiculous apps that are only conservatives. You're just going to be circle jerking each other, and nobody wants them to do that. Yeah, yeah. So this is all all just nonsense that uh, that's happening. And in all likelihood, he made this announcement so he could jack up the prices of Twitter and then dump his stock. 
similar, if I remember correctly, to what he did with Tesla when he was talking about it going public. Yeah, I've, 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 heard, I've heard basically uh, the argument that this is nothing but another Musk scheme to basically uh, raise money by dumping his stock. And, and it makes perfect sense because that's what he's done. But I, would, I, I, I have no doubt that you're going to follow the story about the failure to file in a timely manner and where that might wind up. Um, I don't know. I don't know. David, uh, you, uh, you didn't you didn't do this at the beginning of the uh, of the show. Is, is it? By the way, I'm sorry. Are there any other really pressing topics you want to talk about today? Uh, let me think while I do my intro. So um, yeah. Oh yeah. There is. Uh, yes, you can find me if you like what you hear. You can find me at Twitch.tv/freshfacesnewideas, or you can find me on Twitter at facesideas. Um, we, or you can listen to me on sometimes on the Productive Conversations podcast where I talk basketball. We just had a really good show yesterday. Um, but yeah, there's one more. Uh, the RNC announcement. Have you heard about their announcement for the debates? No, I have not. The RNC is, has decided to unilaterally pull out of all the, uh, the organization that creates the debates. Um, they are going to look for a, a fairer, freer platform in which to have their presidential debates. Uh-huh. So it'll be RNC dictated rules, regulations, and everything else so that fair rules, well, they can't win by fair rules because they know that they'll get massacred uh, and that Donald Trump will be brought into every single debate about the fact that voting for a Republican is simply bringing Trump one step closer back to the White House and this as he's about to get indicted most likely, et cetera, et cetera. So the only way to handle this to basically control the message is to go completely outside and create their own system, which means it's not a debate. It's just another red meat uh, forum. That's all. They may as well have a Trump rally instead of having a debate, I would think. Yeah, and it's all. And who's going to show up? And who's going to show up? You know, are the Democrats going to go to a Republican uh, dictated uh, format? Who who the hell is going to show up? It it doesn't mean anything, you know. What do you mean? You don't want to see Joe Biden have a conversation with Jack Posobiec and... uh, and uh, Mike Cernovich. Moder- moderated and, by Tucker Carlson. <laughs> yeah, where they ask him, uh, where they ask him why he's a, a pro-pedophile, loving anti-American who uh, who's controlled by his son. While they ask Donald Trump, you know, you're the greatest person ever. What was your golf score? Oh, oh my God! Um, but like, like it's insane. They, yeah, they, you know, yeah, they yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the reason your your candidates look like clowns is one because Donald Trump is a clown. Yeah. Um, but you also have no policies. Like you have slogans, but you have no policies uh, that, or popular policies. Like remember, we're not that far removed. When we look back at the 2015 presidential candidate for the Republicans versus the 2020 for the Democrats, it's also not like the media doesn't ask center to, to right leaning ideology questions anyway. Yeah. Like they're not exactly. They don't exactly talk to the left with kid gloves. They're like outright hostile to, you know, popular policies that would help move the country forward. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But also, like, they're in different worlds. We have the Republicans, and this is a real thing, we have the Republicans in 2015 having an actual brain surgeon debate a television host about whether vaccines cause autism versus the debate about how do we help people get more health care? Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. This it's again no policy, just 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 dangling the meat, uh, making sure it gets fetid, making sure that the that you have a big fan blowing it out so that the base can smell it and uh, begin salivating. This is where we are right now. Uh, we're going to have to get better. Uh, I imagine for most people of of, of religious backgrounds. This is supposed to be a time uh, with these, with the holidays that we're all confronting, where confronting, uh, observing. <laughs> I didn't mean it quite that way. Where where people should be thinking about what's best for one another, uh, opening up their hearts to one another. It doesn't. We don't seem to be in a mode to be able to do that right now. Uh, one would only hope that we don't get to a point so far where. We finally have to now look to our religious institutions as vehicles for getting us out of some kind of a, <laughs> an apocalyptic sort of a set of circumstances. Uh, one would hope that religion at this time, uh, on one of those rare occasions where both uh, Passover and, and, uh, and, and, and the Christian holidays can merge at the same time, people might think about what religion is supposed to be doing for us and, and what they're supposed to be all about towards one another and their fellow man uh, as a result of embracing religions. Not what our differences are, but hopefully what our similarities are. David, once again, thank you so much uh, for being with us on Friday uh, on, this first, uh, on this first day. It will be the first night of Passover. And... Uh, I wish to everybody out there, uh, all people who observe a very peaceful and beautiful series of religious holidays as we go forward, and uh, offer as, a, uh, as a, a small gift to begin your holidays, uh, as we so love to offer on a regular basis here on Center Left Radio. You know what it is, but it's still a good gift. A little jazz.
been listening to Center Left Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz. My name is Richard Gazer, and thank you once again for being part of today's show. Religious organizations are in a position to do three important things, to purvey morality, to do charitable works, and to emphasize the linkage between and among all of us. That third being the most important, but the least ever dealt with. That's how we avoid moving towards an apocalypse. And if we were ever in one, that's the only way we get out of it. So why not do that now, religions?